Well, today is part three of our series called Economy, where we've been learning that the average American is in financial slavery. In fact, we've seen that average American has tons of debt, and most Americans, 78% in fact, are living paycheck to paycheck. What I've been sharing over the last couple of weeks, though, is that God has a much better plan for you than that. In fact, last week I shared with you that in as little as 10 years, even with a very limited income, you could become completely debt-free, your mortgage included, uh, but it's going to take work. It's, it's hard work, in fact. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take you learning how to say no, but it can be done. Now, as I start this morning, let me ask you a question. If tomorrow your boss said, I'm reducing your pay by 32%, so you go from, say, 20000 a year down to 14000 or 60000 a year down to 40000 or $100,000 a year down to 68000 32% decrease in your pay. How many of you go, I'd be a little worried about that? How many of you would say, man, I don't know if I'd be able to pay my bills if I had a 32% decrease in my salary? How many of you would say, I'm not even so sure that maybe bankruptcy wouldn't be in my future if I took a 32% decrease in my pay? I mean, that's a lot of money to, to have uh, not coming in anymore. How many of you would say that your net worth, you know what net worth is, right? It's the, the difference between everything that you own and everything that you owe. That difference is called your net worth. How many of you think that your net worth would actually decrease if you took a 32% decrease in your salary? Would your net worth go up or go down? What, what do you think? Up or down? It would go down. How many would say it would be impossible for your net worth to go up if you took a 32% increase, decrease? You, some, of you, yeah, some of you are on. It'd just be impossible. The reason I'm sharing this with you this morning is this is the story of Lisa and I. When we moved here to Harrisburg 10 years ago to start Exponential, I took a 32% decrease in our household income. Now, that was a voluntary thing that I had chosen to do, that, you know, to get a new church up and running and started, that I couldn't make what I was making before. I needed to take a big pay decrease. But let me show you the results of what's happened. So take a look at the screen here. I'm not giving you the actual numbers because it's none of your business. <laughs> but all the way over on the left there was where my salary was as of 2009. And then you see the, the dip there. That's a 32% decrease in my pay. You notice what's happened for the last 10 years as far as my pay goes and the income. It stayed basically the same. I've had just very minor uh, little adjustments. But look at what happened to our net worth over that time skyrocketed. How in the world did that happen? Well, we were already 10 years into the plan that I've been teaching you these last couple weeks, and I'm going to continue to teach you throughout the rest of the series. We we're already 10, uh, 10 years into it. So we'd already done all the things that I've been telling you that, that you need to do. And we just continued to be faithful these past 10 years, and it didn't matter that I took a big pay decrease. It didn't matter that things are flatlined. It didn't matter that, as I shared with you at the end of last year, I, I stopped taking a salary altogether for a little while. Didn't really matter. And the net worth just kept increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing. How did that happen? That's what I'm going to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about the difference between savers and spenders. Now, let's start out right away. How many of you would say, by nature, you're more of a saver? 
All right, a couple hands. How many would say you're more of a spender? Yeah, lots of hands, and that's where the problem is right there. <laughs> spin, 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 spin. Again, 78% of Americans, they're in that same boat as what you are, that they just keep spending and spending and spending, living paycheck to paycheck. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to learn how to save. And I want your graph to one day look like that. But when your graph looks like that, I want to teach you something else, and that is to become radically generous with what it is that God is blessing you with. So here's what, here's what we need to do. We need to learn to save. Look at Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 to 8. Solomon writes, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy people. Learn from their ways and be wise. They have no leader to make them work, yet they work hard all summer, saving up food for the winter. What Solomon is basically saying is, this summer when we have our annual church picnic, you're going to be walking along and you're going to drop a piece of chicken on the ground or something, and an ant's going to come along and go, you know what, I don't necessarily need that right now, but that could come in handy in the future. And it's going to start to store it up. And that's what I want to say to you as well, that you need to learn how to save. Saving is a good thing. And God says, look, look to the ant. Take the ant as an example. Be wise, just like the ant. Don't spend everything that you get. Have some financial margin. Save a little bit for later. Proverbs 21.20, Solomon writes this, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man does what? The foolish man spends whatever he gets. More modern way to say this would be this way. The wise men save for the future, but fools live paycheck to paycheck. Again, as we've seen, 78% of Americans are doing that very thing. So what is it that we're going to learn to save for? Well, a couple things if you're taking notes. The first thing is this. I must save for emergencies. Got to save up for emergencies. We talked about this last week. You have to have an oh-no fund. That, oh no, it broke, whatever it is. You know, your, your plumbing goes bad and you need to call in a plumber or your car breaks down or you have a medical emergency of some sort. There's always going to be those things that are completely unexpected and you need to have saved up for that so that you don't put it, you know, on a credit card or that you're, you know, having to, to take out loans for those various things. Now, by the way, um, I, I mentioned credit cards last week and, and a couple couple times and somebody called me out on this last week they said Gilbert I know you use a credit card yes I use a credit card but I pay it in full every single month so when I'm talking about credit cards in this series I'm not saying that they're they're wrong for the convenience and you know for cash back and things like that if you're keeping a balance on your credit card that is what's wrong so that that's what I'm referring to when I talk about that does that make sense all right number two I must save for purchases. Now, ladies, notice I said purchases, not purses, okay? Purchases. I must save up for purchases. Every month, you should be setting aside a designated amount of money that is going to be there for when you want a new car or you want that new living room suite or whatever that it is that, that you want. That again, you've saved up cash that you didn't have to put it on the credit card, keep a balance on the credit card, that you didn't have to take out a loan for it. Got to save up for these things. I mentioned to you a couple weeks ago, or maybe that was last week, that Lisa and I have paid cash for the last eight cars that we've purchased. Cash. Nice cars. 
Not brand new, because brand new, they depreciate in value quickly. So new, new to you, newer, safe, reliable. I'm not saying get a beater junky car. I'm just saying pay cash for your cars. How in the world do you do that? Well, we used to have car payments. You know what we did when we paid off the last car? We kept paying the car payment, but now we started paying it to ourselves. Every single month, we just took that same payment, we put it into an account, and now when we need a car, we just go to that account and we pay cash for the car. So again, stop spending money that you don't have. Stop putting things on the credit card or taking loans in order to finance a lifestyle that you don't deserve yet. So we talked about last week, many things are good things, but they're luxuries that you can have only after you're 100% out of debt. Number three then, I must save for the future. Hopefully all of you will retire at some point, and I want you eating cat food, right? I mean, I want you to still have a nice living and a nice life when you retire. Or maybe some of you want to save up so you can help your kids with college or your grandkids with college. There's many great things that we could save for the future for. But regardless, all of us, we need to do these three things. Save up for emergencies, save up for purchases, and save up then for our future. The reason that many people don't do these things though is we haven't learned how to prioritize our dollars. You see, we confuse needs, wants, and desires. Let me say that again. We have confused needs, wants, and desires. Let me explain it to you this way. All of us need to eat. I may want to eat at a restaurant, and my desire may be that it's filet mignon and lobster. Notice how needing to eat can be very, very cheap. If I want to eat at a restaurant, it becomes more expensive. And then depending on what I want to get at that restaurant, my desire, that can be really, really expensive. Needs, wants, desires. All of us need to have a roof over our head. I may want a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house, while my desire may be a four-bedroom, three-bathroom house with two-car garage and an in-ground pool. Notice again the progression of how that works. All of us, we need rest. We need to take vacation time. We, we need that. You need it. What you may want is to actually go away. There's nothing wrong with the staycations. Staycations are cheap. But what you may want is, I want to go away. While you desire that where I go away to is Hawaii for two weeks. Again, notice the progression. Nate, I heard your wife there, you know, giving you the elbow. So... <laughs> I know you got some uh, you know, major anniversaries coming up, so right? I'm going to save up. Right? <laughs> Needs, wants, and desires. What ends up happening so often is we spend a lot of money on our wants and our desires to neglect then sometimes of our needs. So if we're financing all these things and we're buying all these things that, oh, I need that and I want this and I desire that, and we're, and we're just keep buy, 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 buy. And then an unexpected emergency happens. You know, it's amazing the amount of people that come that, and I'm not just, you know, talking about people here. I'm talking about even people from the community that'll come in and call me or they, they stop in and they're like, hey, uh, I can't pay my rent. Can you help me pay my rent? Or, or my electric's about to be turned off or whatever. And they come driving in in their fancy car and they got the latest iPhone. They, they've got all these fancy things. 
And then all of a sudden, you know, they've been living paycheck to paycheck when an emergency came up. Now all of a sudden they can't pay for their basic needs any longer. So again, we need to understand the difference between needs, wants, and desires and learn to prioritize our dollars. And unless you do that, you will always remain a financial slave. So let me illustrate today for you how this works. It's payday, and your salary is $10. Yeah. Again, we're, 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 just, we're just doing this as an illustration, right? Uh, $10, but this will be easy to easy way to think about it. What most people do is they have $10 and they do what? They spend all $10 on needs, wants, and desires. Some people, they may only spend $9 in a month and they have one left over and they go, oh, I could actually now give to the church or, oh, I could actually save for the future. But see, we've got the order all wrong there. We've got to learn how to prioritize our dollars. So here's how it works. It's payday and you've gotten paid $10. The very first thing Scripture talks about, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, is what's called a tithe. A tithe just means 10%. So that when you get $10, how many goes to God? $1. First dollar gets returned back to God. At this point, again, we're changing the whole order of operations here. The next person you're going to pay after God is yourself. You're going to learn to pay yourself. Now, for Lisa and I, that's the next 30%. So in total, between tithe and paying ourselves, Lisa and I only live off of 60% of our income. You're saying, well, what do you pay yourself for? Well, the first thing you're going to do is, as we talked about last week and a little bit today, is you're going to put some money into the oh no fund. Who remembers how much money were we supposed to put into that emergency fund, the oh no fund? Thousand dollars, right. So you may not be able to be where we're at with the, all the, the numbers and as much as we get, but I do want to encourage you to, to at least do 20%. So the, the first 10% goes to God. The next 20%, the next $2 is going to go into your oh no fund. And then your remaining $7 or 70% it's going to go into your living expenses. This is where your rent is going to be, or your mortgage. This is where your groceries are going to be, all your kids' activities, all your clothing, groceries, you name it. 70%, that, that's where you've got to get it to. All right? Is this making sense? That goes to your living expenses. So, it's payday again. And you are being paid $10. So let's recap this. What happens? First dollar goes to? Goes to God. The next two dollars go to? The oh no, you're going to save up for your emergencies. Your remaining 70%, $7 is going to go towards your living expenses. Now it doesn't take you too long. All of a sudden you got that $1,000 in your oh no fund and this is where the priorities are going to uh, begin to change a little bit for you. Because now... Instead of putting it into the oh no fund, now we're going to do what we talked about last week, and that is we're going to start to do the debt snowball and get out of debt. So you've been paid 
$10. The first dollar goes to? It goes to God, right. The next $2, 20% is going to? Debt. Pay off your debt as quickly as possible. Get that debt paid off. The last 70%, uh, $7, is going to your groceries, your mortgage, your kid stuff, all those types of things. Now, one of the things that may happen is during this time, you may get a bonus at work or a relative passes away and leaves you a little bit of an inheritance or you get some Christmas money or you get some birthday money. What do you do with that extra money that comes in? Well, 10% goes to God, but then the rest of it you're going to put into your debt. It's very tempting to take those bonuses and tax refunds and all those things and go, oh, I'm going to buy stuff. No, remember, we want to as quickly as possible get out of debt. This is the biggest thing that is holding you back right now. You need to be 100% debt free. Okay? Any extra money goes into debt. We talked last week that you could pay off $20,000 worth of debt, you could pay off $186,000 in a mortgage in only a 10-year period if you'll follow the plan that I shared with you last week. If you haven't been with us throughout the series, jump online. We have it not only the audio, but we're actually videoing this series as well, so you can actually watch the whole thing. How you can do this in only 10 years, be completely debt-free. Once you're debt-free, now our priorities are going to change one more time. Now we're going to start to build wealth. So it's payday again, but it's been many years now. You've been faithful to the tithe. You've been faithful to getting out of debt. You've been living within your means with some margin. You're not living paycheck to paycheck anymore. And God has gone, huh, they're being faithful with their money. So I'm going to bless them. I'm going to have their boss give them a raise. So it's now payday. You've gotten a raise. You now have $13. Woohoo. <laughs> How much of $13 goes to God? 10% is $1.30, right. However, here's what you're going to notice because you've been doing this for a while now. Money doesn't have a grip on you anymore. And you're going to start to become more and more generous. So you may even go, you know what? I'm going to give $2 there to God. Now you're going to take another $2 and you're going to start to build wealth. You're going to take $7 and you're going to pay it towards your living expenses. In other words, we haven't increased our, our lifestyle at this point. Again, that's the problem with so many people is every time they get a raise, they spend it. I share with you back in week one, even if you make a million dollars a year, if you're spending a million dollars a year, you're still living paycheck to paycheck. You have to have that margin. So we're going to keep our lifestyle the same, which leaves us now with $2. What are we going to do with these $2? Well, now that we're out of debt, now that we're in this process that we're building wealth, we can do whatever we want. <laughs> now we have financial independence. Now if we see a need at church or in the community or in the world, we can go, I've got it, I'll, I'll give more to God. Or maybe we go, you know what, I, I want to build more wealth because I, I want to keep building the portfolio so I can eventually give it all away. So maybe you do that. Or maybe now you take that trip to Hawaii. Or you buy, you know, that big screen TV and, and you get the Netflix. And, and ladies, maybe you start getting your nails done all the time and pretending like us guys care about it. I mean, you know, you, you can put it anywhere you want. 
Because now you've gotten to the place where you have that freedom. So you can do whatever it is that you want. Does this make sense? All right. The bottom line is this. You were faithful and God has blessed you as you followed his principles. Jesus said it this way. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. Whoever can be entrusted with a very little can be entrusted with much. Remember what my salary was when I first started being a pastor? I shared that back in week one. $22,000 a year. That was it. It stayed there at that level for many, many years. But it wasn't about how much you make. It's about how much you spend. Americans don't have an income problem. Most, most people. I mean, some, some people do. There, there is legitimate income uh, problems for some people. But for most people, for most people, it's a spending problem. It's a lifestyle problem. And as I shared back in week one, that means it's a spiritual problem. Because why would God entrust you with more if you haven't proven that you can be faithful with a little? So start out with a little bit that you have and just start following the plan. Honor God with the tithe. Return back to Him what is due Him. Save up for emergencies. Get yourself out of debt. And then start to build wealth. Again, as Jesus said, whoever can be entrusted with a little can be entrusted with more or a lot or much. How much is a lot? Well, let's, let's look at that. Let's talk about investing. There are two different ways that you can make money. One is what's called linear income. The other is what's called residual income. Linear income is simply this. It's people making money. Paul says this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. So all of us should be working. Now again, there are exceptions. Some of you, you know, it could be disabilities or various reasons that you can't work. Or maybe you've gotten to the place that you're, you're retired and, and you've done your work. Now it doesn't mean we ever retire from God's work. There's always ministry to be done. But from a vocational type of job, maybe you've retired. But we should be, be working. This is a very biblical thing to, to work. But what linear income means is this. Basically, you're trading a block of time that you give up for a block of money that somebody else gives you. That's what work is. Trade a block of time for a block of money. If you're in sales, you trade a widget that you have that you've sold to somebody for a block of money. Linear income. That's people making money. Again, nothing wrong with that. Here's the problem, though. There's a cap on it. There's only so many hours that you can work. So for many of you right now, if, if they're not giving you raises and stuff, the only way you can make more money is to work more hours, whether it be at that job or another job. Or you've got to sell more widgets, whatever it is. And I don't care who you are. You're limited. Even a doctor that makes a lot of money for what they do. They want to make more money, they've got to see more patients, which means more time, which means that they have less time to do the things that they actually want to do, like being on the golf course or spending time with their family or, you know, whatever. 
Again, nothing wrong with linear income, but we all need to get to a place where we're now earning residual income. Residual income means this. It's money making money. It's money making money. Matthew chapter uh, 25, verse 16. Jesus says this. The man who had received the five talents went out at once and did what? He, he did what? He put his money to work and he gained five more. It's very biblical to put your money to work. A residual income, again, is your money starts to now make you money. This is actually what actors and musicians do all the time. They get residual income based on work that they did once, but now they get paid for a lifetime for it. So I always use like Jerry Seinfeld as an example. He shot each episode once, got paid for that work each season. I think he was getting like over a million dollars an episode. But now, and, and so that's a lot of money right there. They were doing 24 episodes a year, so that was $24 million a year. But do you know he actually makes way, way more money every year now, even though Seinfeld hasn't been on the air for, what, 20 years now? He makes more money today off of Seinfeld. Why? Because every single time a rerun is on any channel, anywhere in the world, he gets a small little kickback of that. He did the work once, and he gets paid for a lifetime. Musicians, they write a song once and they get paid for a lifetime. Did you know even the songs that we do here on the stage, we have to pay royalties for that? So the artists that wrote the songs that we performed this morning, they get a little small kickback based on that we did their song this morning. Now many of you are going, I'm not an actor. I'm not, you know, a musician. How, how am I going to do that? Well, all of us have what is called compounding interest. That your money can make you money. So let me ask you a question here. How many of you think that you could figure out a way to save up $1 per day? You think you could figure out a way to do $1 per day? We all have unnecessary expenses, right? $365 in a year, you've blown that on something. So we, we could figure out $1 a day. How many of you are going... Uh, $5 a day. I think I could probably come up with $5 a day. So that means, you know, I'm not doing the Starbucks anymore or, or you know, I'm brown bagging my lunch instead of going out to eat. You, you think $5 would be maybe possible? Maybe, maybe not. Some of you are like, yeah, I don't know. That, that seems like a lot. Well, look at your outline there. I gave you some scenarios of what would happen if you invested your money over a certain period of time at 12% annual interest, which I'll explain to you in just a second how to get uh, that type of return. I gave you all different types of scenarios there from you know, $5 a day, which many of you are going, I don't know, all the way up to the $25 uh, a day, which you know, if you want to get more aggressive like Lisa and I have, um, you, know, you, you could do that. But, but look at that, even at $5 a day, 20 years, you have 150,000, know, 30 years, half a million, 40 years, 1.7 million, 50 years, $6 million. How many of you think that you could do a lot for the kingdom of God with six million extra dollars? Yeah. That's just with five dollars a day and being wise and, and following a plan. Get your emergency fund all built up. Get yourself out of debt and then just start investing. Only five dollars a day. 
Now, again, many of you, as I, I said about could you come up with $5 a day, you said, oh, I don't know. And you're looking at some of those other numbers there, and you're going, uh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't do that. But let me give you some good news. I, I ran the math. According to the latest census statistics here in Dauphin County, if your family is just average, and if you'll follow the plan, you'll start to give that 10% to God, you'll do that 20% to the middle bucket, whether it's for you know, your emergencies or getting out of debt or then eventually building wealth, and then you'll live off the remaining amount. If you will do that, again, if your family is just average, here's how much you'd be able to set aside every single day at that 20% level, $26.84. Let me say it again. Every single one of you here, if your family is just average, setting aside 20% per day would be $26.84. Now look at the column there with $25 a day and what those numbers come out to be. 20 years, you're almost at a million dollars. 30 years, 2.6 million. 40 years, 8.9 million. 50 years, 29.7 million dollars. How many generations of your family would be changed with 27 million or 29 uh, $0.7 million. How different would our church be? How different would our community be? How different would our world be if you had that kind of wealth? Now, I want to remind you that I'm teaching you all this because this is a spiritual thing, not a financial thing. Because Jesus said that wherever your heart or wherever your treasure is there, your heart is going to be as well. And many of you, because you're following not this plan, but the paycheck to paycheck plan, Money is constantly on your mind. You're constantly worried about how am I going to make the next dollar? How am I going to pay for this? What if this happens? What if that happens? And that's all you think about is just money, 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 money. And it's keeping you from being who God wants you to be. You're not being the spiritual best you that you could be. And I don't want you to be that way anymore. I want you to get to a place where you don't even have to think about it. With everything I've shown you with what Lisa and I do, I mean literally, and I'm not exaggerating here, it's like 10 minutes a week that like all my stuff that I do, paying bills and all the, the investment stuff, which again, I'll explain here in a second. It's like 10 minutes a week. I hardly think about money at all because I don't have to. Again, that's freed us up from a spiritual standpoint to be able to do all kinds of cool things for God. And if we continue to follow the plan here, even cooler things for God in the future. Some of the vision that we have and the goals that we have. And I want that for you. The goal isn't to make $30 million so that you can then hoard it and be greedy. The goal is that you would become radically generous. Radically generous. Again, one of Lisa and I's goals is that we'll eventually get to the place where we'll give away 90% of everything that's coming in and only have to live off of 10%. And even then, we'll still have a nice middle-class uh, lifestyle. We are nobody special. We didn't start with a lot. But we followed the plan. We've been very faithful to it for many, many years. And you can do the same. So here's the principle. Here's the big, big thing from the day. Money plus time plus consistency equals wealth. 
Let me say it again. Money plus time plus consistency equals wealth. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11, we read this. Money earned little by little will grow and grow. So get that free and start to consistently invest. And over time, what you'll see is great wealth. So here's what I want to do for the rest of today's message. I want to teach you some biblical rules to investing. Three things I want to share with you. The first one is this. I shouldn't try to get rich quick. Many people try to get rich quick and they fail miserably. And if you're trying to get rich quick, what this says is that money still has too tight of a grip on you and your heart. So you shouldn't do the latest get-rich-quick schemes. You shouldn't be playing the lottery. How many of you complain about taxes? That you're like, man, I don't like to pay taxes. I mean, taxes are too high, right? They keep increasing our taxes. Do you know that the, the lottery is a tax on you? The lottery is a tax. Did you know that you have a better chance of being in the ocean being attacked by a shark, and at the same time that you're being attacked by a shark, having a lightning bolt strike you, and that happens actually twice in your lifetime, than winning the lottery. <laughs> being attacked by a shark twice, and both times that you're being attacked by a shark, you get struck by lightning. Stop trying to get rich quick. Stop playing the lottery. That is a waste of your money. Take that money, give it to God. Start paying off your debts. Build up your emergency fund. Do all these things that we're talking about. This isn't the get-rich-quick plan. This is the get-rich-slow plan. The Bible says that the more we try to do that, the more we're trying to chase after money like that and get rich quick, the more temptation is going to come into our life. And that temptation is going to lead to your destruction and your ruin, both financially and spiritually. So stop taking stock tips from your cousin Eddie who's completely broke. He has no clue about money. But yet he's like, hey, man, I got a new tip here for you. You should do this. We're all going to be like really, really wealthy. No, you're not. Eddie doesn't know what he's talking about. So here's what you need to remember. There's a thing called the rule of 72. And the rule of 72 simply says this, that if you will invest your money at 7.2%, Every 10 years, your money will double. Or the flip of that is true, too. If you get a 10% return on your money every 7.2 years, your money will double. This is residual income. This is money making money. Slowly over time, your money will begin to make you more and more money. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. So we've got to take the long-term approach. Number two, I shouldn't put all my eggs into one basket. You need to spread things around a little bit. In Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 2, Solomon says, Give portions to seven, yes, to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. You need to be diversified when you're building wealth with your portfolio because you don't know what disaster may come upon the land. Spread it out. Someone once said that investing is a lot like manure. You know, if you put it all in one place, it stinks, but if you spread it out, then things start to grow. And so you, you want to do the same thing. Spread it all out. You know, st stocks and bonds and, and, and real estate and, and the various things. 
Spread it out. Get diversified. Now, what I want to share with you is basically how Lisa and I have done it and how we've gotten diversified through the years. This is our plan. So this is our, how we've built the well thing. You can come up with your own thing or you can follow our plan. It's up to you. Okay? So I'm not saying that you have to do it the way we've done it. But we do a thing called DRIP investing. And DRIP is an acrostic that stands for Dividend Reinvestment Program. Here's how it works. It's buying stocks. Now, many of you get intimidated by buying stocks because you're like just freaked out about it and what if the stock market crashes, et cetera, et cetera. And you don't understand it. You know, what, what would I buy and when should I buy and all that kind of stuff. Well, did you know that you can buy stock directly from basically every major corporation that there is in the world? That you don't even need a stockbroker to do it. See, what you need to understand about stockbrokers, and you know, they're good people, but they're salesmen. They make their money based on you buying and selling things because they get a commission off of that sale. Again, good people, and they need to make a living, but every time that you use them, you're taking some of your money and you're giving your money to building their wealth instead of building your wealth. So why not cut out the middleman? Again, most people don't even realize that this is even an option for them, that you can go directly to Walmart or McDonald's or Nike or General Electric or whoever your company happens to be that you like. And you can buy stock directly from them, cutting out the middleman altogether. And the nice thing about them is they'll let you buy it for as cheap as $50 per month. So it's not like you even have to have thousands and thousands of dollars. $50 a month. The other thing that they'll do that your stockbroker won't allow you to do, or at least most of them, is buy fractional shares. Because you're going, if I only got $50 and it's like $100 for a share of a stock, then I got to wait. No, no, no. They'll allow you with that $50 to buy half a share. And what you're going to do through this, this drip process is you're going to take your $50 a month for each company and you're just going to, every single month, just keep buying $50 worth. And the next month, $50 worth. And the next month, $50 worth. And what this does for you is a principle called dollar cost averaging. And what that basically means is this, because again, many of you are afraid of the stock market because it's up and down, up and down, up and down. And you're like, I, I need to make sure I buy low, you know, so I can sell high enough. With drip investing, you don't have to worry about that because since you're buying every single month, it smooths that out for you over time because if the stock market is really up, then my $50 that month, it doesn't buy me as much stock. If it's down that particular month, then my $50 buys me more of that stock. And again, over time, it smooths that whole thing out. So it's a lot less risky than what it would uh, typically be. So that's the dollar cost averaging side of it. Here's the other thing with drips. Every single one of these companies that are a part of a drip plan will pay what are called dividends. Dividend is simply the company paying you part of their profits. And they do this every single quarter that they're like, hey, we made profit here. We're giving this to you. Give you an example of that. So let's say that you um, own a thousand shares of a company and that company says this quarter we're paying a 35 cent dividend per share that you own. That means that company would send you a check for $350 that quarter. However, here's how Lisa and I have built wealth. Instead of telling the company to send us that check, we say, no, go ahead and buy us more shares of your company. 
Now, uh, through the years, we have 17 different companies that we've done this, you know, at least $50, some of them more, uh, a month type of thing. And we just keep doing that, doing that, doing that, doing that. And we've been doing it for 20 years now. And guess what has happened? Those dividend checks every quarter sometimes are more than what we even buy because we still every single month give the, the money. But sometimes those dividend checks every quarter are more than like a year or two's worth of actual purchases. And now that's more stock that you own, more shares that you have. So the next time that a dividend comes around the next quarter, guess what? You're getting even more. And we say, don't send us the check. Invest more. Buy us more shares. And what that's done is through the years is it's led to a very, very large income. Again, we're not actually taking it yet, but one day, and hopefully in the next five, seven, ten years, we're going to say, start sending us the checks. And that's the point that I'll be able to say to you guys, I don't need a paycheck here anymore. The next 10, 15, 20 years, it's on me. And we'll be able to keep increasing our giving at that point. And again, the, the goal is to be able to give away 90% of those checks that they're sending us to give it away to the church, to the community, to the world, and live off of 10%. Again, I, I don't understand at all of how we did it, but it's actually been pretty simple. Not easy, but simple. It's a simple plan but it took sacrifice, it took discipline, it took self-control, it took learning how to say no in those early years so that now we can say yes for the rest of our life. Here's the third thing. I shouldn't invest in things that I don't understand. In 1999, the two hottest stocks were GE and Lucent Technologies. Everybody was buying these two things. Now, everybody knew what GE did. Most people had no clue what Lucent was doing, but everybody's going, you need to buy it. And people were buying it. Here's the deal. Nobody understood it. And today, your, say, $1,000 of Lucent stock that you bought in 1999 would be worth a couple pennies. However, if in 1999 you would have bought $1,000 worth of Diet Coke, and I'm not talking stock in Coke, I'm talking literally $1,000 in cans of Diet Coke. You could take that to the aluminum recycler today, and as of this week, it would have gotten you $10.30. So you would have done better to have invested in something that you knew, cans of Diet Coke, than in something that you didn't understand. Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4, Solomon writes, Any enterprise that's built by wise planning becomes strong through common sense and profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. Got to invest in things you, that you understand. When we were first getting started, I didn't understand all these principles yet. And I had a doctor friend that said, Hey, you should buy this stock. And I bought $1,000 worth of it. Today it's worth zero. Why? Because I didn't, I didn't understand it. So that's when Lisa's grandfather, who was a very wise and smart investor, shared with me two important principles. The first one was this. Buy things that you understand and things that you yourself buy. So I own Nike stock. Why? Because I buy nothing but Nike apparel for sporting stuff. I understand that. Now some of you are going, I like Puma. 
Well, this is where his second principle came in. Just because you wear Puma doesn't mean you should buy Puma stock. Because Grandpa said, look, only invest in companies that are either number one or number two in the world in what they do. And the reason for that is they have a proven track record. They've been around for a while. Their dividends that they're paying are going to be a lot greater. So you've got to invest in these things that, that you understand and, and things that do, do very well and have been around for a while. And I've had people through the years when I've shared this plan, they laugh and they're like, ha, 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 you're only getting, you know, the, the minimum is 12% that we've gotten. But they're like, you're not getting like 100% return or 1,000% return on your money. I was like, I don't need to get 1,000% return on your money. 12% is doing quite fine every single year. You see, in, in 1999, it would have been hard to predict which one was going to take off, Walmart or Kmart? Which one was going to take off, Google or Lucent? If you put a lot of money into those things and you made the wrong decision, then you've been stuck. Now, had you made the right decision, yeah, you would have gotten a higher return. But you don't need to make huge returns. You just need to make sure you're making a consistent return. Remember, money plus time plus consistency equals wealth. So don't try to get rich quick. Don't put all your eggs in the one basket. And make sure you only invest in things in which you understand. As I wrap up, let me say this. Be reminded that the greatest investment you can make is in people. People in your family. People in your neighborhood. People here in your church, in your life group. People in our community that don't yet know Jesus. That's what it's all about. Invest in people. And I do hope that you become very, very rich. But I'm not talking necessarily even about financial. I hope you're rich in mercy and grace and forgiveness. And if you should happen to become rich financially, again, I hope that you become radically, radically generous. As I said earlier, the whole point of this series isn't so that you can make a lot of money and then just hoard it for yourself and be greedy and just be very consumeristic, but yet with a much larger income. If you become rich financially, give it away. Invest in others. Invest in your church. Invest in community organizations here in Harrisburg. Invest in our sister church down in Haiti. Invest in other ministries that are going on all around the world. Because here's the deal. You can't take any of it with you. Every single one of you is going to leave behind the exact same amount of money as what Bill Gates will. All of it. All of it. You can't take it with you. And so that's why Jesus said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but rather store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then that's where he said that famous line that we looked at in, in uh, week one of the uh, series. He said, for where your money is or, or where your heart is, there your, or where your treasure is, there your heart will be as well. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be as well. 
God has allowed Lisa and I to do very well as we followed a plan, but that is not our treasure. And that's why we're giving it away, because it's not about stuff here and storing up stuff here. It's about how much can we send ahead? How many lives of people can we invest in? How many ministries can we invest in? How many church plants can we help to fund to get started? Invest in things that will last forever. So again, I hope this series is being helpful for you, that you can get to the place where you don't have to worry about money anymore so that now you can take those brain cells and those thoughts and say, you know what, now I'm going to think, how can I advance the kingdom of God and make a difference in this very short time that I have here on this earth? Are you a saver? Are you a spender? If you just keep spending it all right now, you'll never get that peace that I'm talking about. You'll never be able to make an eternal difference like I'm talking about. If you learn to save, if you learn a little bit of sacrifice and learning to say no, a little bit of discipline right here and right now, you can make an eternal difference. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you that, again, you gave everything that you had. You gave your son Jesus so that we could have a relationship with you. And Lord, we just want to look to your example that since you were so generous, help us to live lifestyles now of generosity. But many of us can't live a lifestyle of generosity because we don't even have enough to, to take care of our basic needs. Why? Because we've been spending all that money on our wants and desires. And so, Father, I pray that we would learn to have self-control like we talked about last week, that we would get that discipline that we need, and that we would just start to follow the plan here. And that as we follow that plan, that you would look at us and say, ah, there's somebody that's being faithful. And since they're being faithful with a little, I'm going to entrust them with more. And since they were faithful with that, I'm going to entrust them with even more. And since they were faithful with that, I'm going to entrust them with even more. And that, Lord, that that would lead to great wealth. And Father, I pray that again in those moments that we have that, that our mind would be set on you and advancing your kingdom of how can I give it away? to make a difference for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God? How can I make sure that my money is making sure that every single man, woman, boy, and girl here in Harrisburg and all around the world has an opportunity to hear the good news of what Jesus did for us on the cross? Father, help us to take our eyes off of ourselves and put them fully on you. Live according to your word according to your way. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.